Welcome to Firing Pin Leadership, your podcast about leadership development with an emphasis on growth and influence. While each episode centers on public service, discussions cover what works and what doesn't to guide and support your leadership acumen. I'm your host, BJ King. On today's podcast, I welcome the insights of Tim Biggs. Tim was influenced by numerous family members to venture into law enforcement. In about 1980, he was sponsored by the Kiwanis Club to attend a four-week career camp in Indiana State University put on the Indiana Highway Patrol. After that experience, he was certain of his path. However, upon his completion, he was made aware of a height requirement that he did not meet. Tim was then ready to search out ways to become a deputy sheriff. He also had aspirations to be in the military, and upon graduation from high school, he shipped out to Fort McClellan. He was then assigned to Alaska and progressed onto six reenlistments. His career includes 10 years as a military policeman and 11 as a recruiter, retiring as a Sergeant First Class E7. Tim's legacy of being service-minded is displayed by his son, who has also become a law enforcement officer. Years ago, um, I am 59, and when I was 16 years old, uh, I had a, a lot of my family members are law enforcement officers. Mm-hmm. And my long-term goal was to become an Indiana Highway Patrolman. And so I set out that to uh, be my number one goal through high school. And an organization called Kiwanis Club Mm -hmm. sponsored me to go between my junior and senior year in high school. Um, This was back in uh, 1979, 1980 time frame. And so I went down to a four-week semi-career camp. Mm Uh, at Indiana State University and uh, ran by Indiana Highway Patrolman. So we, they kind of put us through a mock program. And, and then I knew that's what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, as a kid, I also worked on a small farm and my neighbor down the street was a Highway Patrolman. So I really enjoyed learning and watching him uh, come and go throughout his career. So as I Completed the program. Uh, one of the requirements was that you had to be six foot. Well, take a look at me. I'm I'm nowhere near six foot. Okay. So, uh, uh, so the next best thing was I wanted to join the military to get that experience to come out and maybe become a Porter County sheriff mm-hmm. in my county. So I ended up joining the military as a military policeman. Uh, I joined straight out of high school. Uh, ten days later, I was in basic training in Fort McClellan, Alabama, home of the MP school, and. Um, I thought three years would fly by real quick. Mm-hmm. And so I got assigned to Alaska. And that was my first assignment. And then uh, transferred on, went somewhere else. Well, then I reenlisted. Well, as things progressed with me, six reenlistments later, and uh, 21 years in the service, 10 years as a military policeman, various assignments. And my last 11 years, I was a recruiter. And uh, so I never did make it into the law enforcement field, but uh, my older son uh, did. So I really admired him for doing that. What was your highest rank in the military? I retired as a sergeant first class E7. I did come out on the master sergeant list, but turned it down so I could retire. Oh, yeah. So I had I had a plenty of military. What was the most difficult hurdle that you could say that you obtained, that, that you had to experience? The difficult hurdle, I would say, each assignment that a person goes through, they fear the unknown when they move on in their career. 
What's the new assignment going to be? What's the leadership going to be like, good or bad? The assignment you left was always going to be the best assignment. That's one of the things we used to say in the military Mm -hmm. was, hey, where was your best assignment? The one I just left. Mm. And so uh, the, the worry would be, as I mentioned earlier, the command. Did I make the right decision? Is this going to be the best for me and my family? When I'm at work, is my family protected? And vice versa. And uh, the, the people that you work with. And uh, so um, making that journey of the unknown is always going to be a big hurdle. But once you get there, you find out you got a lot of people that's interested in the same thing that you do. And uh, the good thing is, is that we're all there doing the same job. So if you were to label your leadership style, when you, particularly when you were in an authoritarian type role, how would you label it? What would be the, the term to describe your perspective with the obligation responsibility that you had? I was and still am a fair authoritarian. Right is right, wrong is wrong. When uh, in a leadership position, never apologize. Always make sure you do your research before you make that decision, which is going to affect everybody. You know, if you make a bad decision, but, but yet you still stood by that decision, it affects everybody. And uh, But if you make the right decision, everybody wins. So myself, I'd have to probably describe myself as a, a positive leader. I'm always thinking things out before I make that decision. I'm not a fan of hasty, instant decisions. Okay. But if I make a decision, that's what we always did. And, uh, but in my roles as a law enforcement officer, I always had the right decisions made. I guess we can say we were bred that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would my old boss do? And that's how I always did it. Always looked at it like that. First thing you said was fair as a leader. What is an example of when that was challenged or you had to learn that that was the route for you? Oh, boy. Um, Again, most of my time would be in the military, so Mm -hmm. um, punishments, okay? Okay. Um, Or even writing citations Mm -hmm. as a police officer. Have to determine... A funny thing is, is I'm going through this now with my daughter, is complete stops. Mm -hmm. Hey, you didn't make a complete stop. But as a young trooper, i.e. in the military, Mm -hmm. oh, I got to go get that person. But then when I get up there and talk to them, I let them know, next time come to a complete stop or maybe run in a traffic light. Um, Look at the seriousness of the surroundings. If it's a busy intersection, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to be a little bit sterner. Mm -hmm. May, May give somebody a citation. But if it's just them, I may give them a good, you know, stern talking to. Right. And, uh, but uh, a good example, I'm glad you brought this up, is um, when I was stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington, probably the second or third largest military installation, the Ranger Battalion was there. I believe it's the third regiment that was up there. And I pulled over for speeding, um, extremely speeding. An individual, I was an E6 staff sergeant, and he was an E7. Mm-hmm. And I knew what the command sergeant major's policy was. Any of his members of the unit that was involved with the law enforcement would be 
eliminated or removed from the unit within hours. His driving, uh, I guess you would call it reckless driving, mm -hmm. <clears throat> about 30 miles an hour with mm -hmm. a posted speed limit. And uh, I had a choice to make. Ruin this man's career or let's talk. He outranked me, but I had the authority. Mm -hmm. The right decision was the right authority. And I verbally gave him a warning. And uh, funny thing is, is about a couple of weeks later, I ran into him again and we just kind of nodded heads and mm -hmm. waved at each other. He understood. I understood. Our careers moved on. Both of you under knew what was on the line. That's correct. Out of respect. Out of respect. Out of respect. So what was one of the harder decisions that you had to make that turned out to be wrong? Wow. Wrong. I mean, since we went to uh, right and wrong kind of thing and all yeah. that. Another good example. Uh, young MP. Got reassigned, reenlisted, went back up to Alaska. Uh, this particular case involved a uh, domestic disturbance. And uh, my very first day back on the job, back in Alaska, same duty assignment, knowing the same people that were still there, I get a call for a disturbance. First one on the scene, seeing this young boy sitting on the staircase, crying. I thought he looked familiar. And the names of the occupants of the housing was on top of the door. Mm -hmm. And I recognized the name. So I had asked him, are you by chance Sergeant So-and-So's son? He said, yes, I am. I said, well, what's the matter? Well, domestic disturbance, you know, uh, having an affair. And uh, the soldier walked in on everything and uh, had a gun. And so knowing that I knew who he was... I didn't call for backup. Mm -hmm. Wrong choice, wrong decision. Okay. Thought I'd be the hero because I knew him. And uh, so then I go inside, talk to him. I controlled the situation just because we knew everybody. And so the right decision was I didn't call. Well, the wrong decision was I should have called for backup. The right decision was the fact that I didn't place him under arrest, apprehend him in front of his children mm -hmm. because I knew him. Mm -hmm. I limited myself from that position. Then I let the higher authorities, when they got there, mm -hmm. took care of the situation. So I always remember that. Always remember that because it could have gone worse. You know, mm -hmm. uh, somebody could have got hurt or killed. But... Uh, because I knew him, that was good. But uh, in today's society, you don't know what's going on, even if you know him or not. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you are trained well uh, and to be prepared for incidents like that. I guess back in those days, we just kind of lived wild and free. There was different case law back then. It was. <laughs> as in there wasn't as much. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the lawsuits weren't as much. Yeah. Is <laughs> yeah. abundant. What was another demonstration that taught you the right way to be fair. Not something that you experienced, but a demonstration is like, that's what I want to emulate. That's what I want to develop within my capacity for my obligation, authority, responsibility for what that was the mark in your mind for you to take from. I have a really good friend. If I could name names, oh, yeah. um, Michael Perry served with him a couple places in Alaska and Fort Lewis, Washington. He was straight and narrow, walked the line. Any of our soldiers or his soldiers stepped that line, 
he brought us back. And the way he appeared, the way he dressed, was the guy that I wanted to emulate. Mm -hmm. When he spoke, we listened. When he laughed, we laughed. Whether it was funny or not, we laughed. So when he instructed classes, we learned a lot from him. When he would say, follow me, do as I say, not as I do, we kept out of trouble and saved lives. So he got transferred to Fort Lewis, Washington, and two years later, I did as well. And I was supposed to go to the 9th MP Division and become a platoon sergeant there, but once he knew I was there, he pulled me out of it, and I became a traffic accident investigator. Mm -hmm. So then that's where he started to teach me how to become a, a traffic accident investigator. So what he has taught me in the past... I still, to this day, will walk the line. And uh, so he was a great person to emulate. What was it about him? His integrity, his loyalty. He respected everybody, whether right or wrong. Um, He was very fair, whether if you were an intoxicated person, he knew you were intoxicated. So he was going to treat you fair, treat you with respect. Because he didn't want to go to bed Or like myself, I want to be able to make sure that I did the right thing at the end of the day. Did I treat everybody with respect and loyalty? And I think uh, if we we learn that from day one in our law enforcement career, instead of being the guy big and tough, Mm -hmm. live behind the badge and respect everybody because then you will be respected as a person yourself. Did you observe any faults that he had? If I did, we didn't know it. Because that's how much respect and, and a loyalty we had for him. So did that? would you say that that overshadowed any faults? His, his fine ability for the integrity and characteristics that you mentioned legitimately were easily overshadowed, were, were much brighter than any shadows and, and oddities and, and faults that he may have demonstrated or shown or had in, in himself? Um, you know, as an MP, it's, it's different for... What I would say for us being as on a military post versus being in a civilian sector, because we're all in one. When it comes down to it, we're going to go to battle together. And uh, But in the civilian sector, that ain't going to happen. Um, if Mike had any faults, I, I never saw him. I wish I could pick one out, <laughs> you know, um, besides being upfront with everything. Right. And uh, I mean, I, I've seen him. I've seen him talk to Sergeant Majors and he never disrespected him. And if you got a citation from him, you earned it. You earned it. What are some of the egregious transgressions or violations of leadership that you have observed? Outright missing the mark, had the chance, didn't take it, took the wrong dire- direction. What are something that you were oh, able boy. to say? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's jump forward then into recruiting command. I was uh, brigade operations, Sergeant First Class C7 in charge of nine states. At Usherek headquarters, Fort Knox, Kentucky, every quarter we did a command uh, evaluation. The brigade command, or excuse me, the uh, Usherek commander, who was normally a two-star general, mm-hmm. and the Usherek command sergeant major, I would pull all of the sergeant majors together. Mm-hmm. There's five. And then there's, from that section, you had 
10, 15 colonels and first sergeants and all that from each brigade. So the room is full mm -hmm. and they're doing the presentation of why they're successful and why they aren't successful mm -hmm. in making their army's mission. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the bottom line is you need to make the army's mission. If you failed, you failed. Mm -hmm. So to answer that question, the commander, two-star general, had asked a first sergeant why he failed mission. And his response was, my NCOs didn't do their job. BJ, you could have heard a pin drop. And that commander stood up and told everybody in that room except him and his commander to stay. And it wasn't 30 minutes later that guy was fired because he put the blame on others instead of him accepting responsibility. I believe if he would have said, I failed, I should have done this, mm -hmm. I should have done that. But he put the blame on everybody else. And that's not the way it happens. Leadership is very important. Um, you're going to lead, you lead by example. You don't put the blame on others for failure. And that's what he did. So he got fired. So back in the army, he went, or at least to another assignment. Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, those are things that kind of really stick in your mind, you know, to uh, remember. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you, I, I, I try my best to instill that in my kids today, as, as you well know. Mm -hmm. If you're right, you're right. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Don't put the blame on others. Life is a big circle. <laughs> what is some, what is an example of the, of your greatest moment in leading where you were hoping for a five, but you got a 10 because of your leadership ability. Referring back to the military again, mm -hmm. um, I'd have to say uh, in recruiting command, as you see, that's one of the awards I received for being the army Ushrek recruiter of the year. Um, army wide. So, uh, doing the right thing. I never lied to an applicant. Of course, people think, oh yeah, you know, recruiters would tell a lie, blah, blah, blah. I could sit here and tell you a lot of stories yes. that, that I had in, in, in military career in recruiting command. Mm -hmm. If a person is honest, it goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Your integrity. Say that question again. I lost track. The of greatest consequence, a positive consequence for your leadership example uh when okay. you're shooting for a five but you got a 10 you were not expecting that to be that successful okay good good so um i was in a, a two one-man station in recruiting command in laramie wyoming and it was a walk-in market mm -hmm. which means i didn't have to make phone calls mm -hmm. people walked in mm -hmm. and sometimes you get harassed because mm -hmm. you got a walk-in market but i also covered twelve thousand square miles mm -hmm. and my father's school away was five and a half hours so you built good rapport when you walked in. Right. But uh, so I ended up becoming recruiter of the year. So my command said, hey, if this guy can do it, let's put another guy in there. Well, that being said, I'm thinking, uh, now you got two guys in here. I'm going to have to split the cake and all that with him. You know, it's a great job. But we rocked it again. And we were the top station wasn't the top recruiters, but we were the top station. Mm -hmm. And so then I got transferred and I went to Indiana. Same scenario. Took over a two-man station. 
They closed it, moved me out to a place called Merrillville, Indiana, northern Indiana, to a seven-man station. And uh, we rocked it, did great. So each time I kind of stepped foot into an office, I was there to increase the output, output yeah, recruiting, yeah. Right. Yeah. to make a station mm-hmm. go from five to an eight. But instead, we became a 10 because of my leadership style. If a person was hurting, what can we do to make you better? Oh, I'm, I really don't like talking in front of people. Well, let me do the talking. Okay. So that's how I did it. I always found a weakness. Then I ended up going to become a nurse recruiter. I like to talk. I love my nurses. And I was number one in the uh, recruiting for nurses. Then I transferred to Ohio. And I began to wonder if I'm successful, I'm traveling everywhere. So I'm kind of thinking... I need to fail somewhere because mm-hmm. I can stay here. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't happen. I just kept moving on, moving on. Ended up going to Ohio and took over a combination program of a Army Medical Department mm-hmm. and Recruiting Department. They married us together to help the Army Medical Department. Mm-hmm. Very successful, number one recruiting company in the uh, state of Ohio. Then I did that for four years. Then I was selected to become recruiter trainer to train recruiters to be successful, find the ones that are having trouble and go out there and work with them. Was that the moment where the army realized that they had something available to them to amplify their effects when you were selected? You know, it had to be our brigade because uh, to get those positions, you have had to have been successful. And so when I was selected to become the recruiter trainer, at Fort Knox for our brigade, I was able to go out and help other recruiters be successful. And so when I knew we were working from five to 10, uh, going from level five to Mm -hmm. level 10 is when I saw recruiters that weren't making it becoming successful. And it made it that much easier to uh, look them in the face and say, how are you doing? Instead of this guy's got problems. Mm-hmm. Is it home problems? Is it marital problems? Whatever. All of that went out the window when you're successful because now you go to work at eight and you can leave at three or four, mm-hmm. you know, instead of staying there at nighttime. And uh, so that's the last thing a guy want to do is stay there at eight o'clock making cold calls. Are you interested in joining the army? Click, you know. Right. So, um, but I, I enjoy watching success. Kind of like watching a little league ball player hit his first ball. After working with them, all these, you know, practices and that. I hope that's kind of like what you wanted to know and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all that. Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the application and of how it can apply to other perspectives is very critical for what I'm looking to inquire about. So with that, perfect examples there. What would you suggest others, perspectives for others, in order to hold the line, to develop their leadership, to encourage growth and support in recruiting in the military police, all your experiences, what is a way to hold the line knowing the fears of what's ahead of them? What can you, what would you be able to tell them? This is what I've been, well, you've already expressed what you've been through. What is it that you can say that would be motivating and inspirational, so to say? Oh, you ready for this? My favorite word emulate. If I can 
say, I want to be like you, I have to be able to be the one that people want to emulate. Do I carry the respect on my shoulders? Do I carry the loyalty, the care, the personality is one. Um, you can be hardcore. You can be just as rough and, and um, rough and tough as ever. But as long as you are fair to where somebody will want to emulate you, it may be two or three years down the road. Or let's say, uh, God forbid, that the day we uh, put a, a fine, outstanding law enforcement officer to his rest, we can sit back and laugh or we can sit back and cry. Why cry? Let's laugh. He was this. He was that. He taught me this. Oh, he jumped me my butt doing this. But he was fair. The guy I want to emulate. And uh, every day, if a, if a law enforcement officer, when he puts his vest on, puts his gear on, gets in his patrol car and starts that car, he needs to ask himself, one, am I going to make it home tonight? And two, what can I do to help people? One positive traffic stop will make that person appreciate everybody every day, the law enforcement officers every day. And uh, I try not to get in their way. I try to do the law right way. How can you, how have you applied everything you've learned in regards to leadership, not in regards to just your, the, the civilian roles that you've uh, provided now, but that transition, the transition from the military structure, uniform and and support and all that to the civilian world, that transition time, how were you able to apply just for the transition, for that change of your ideology of what the world is? How were you able to apply your leadership experience for the transition phase alone? That's a good question. First, you have to determine when you do that, what career field are you going into when you leave the service? Um, leaving the military service, I, I say myself, kind of like a robot. You know you got to do something every day. It's hard to make changes. When I first retired, my wife would tell you, I couldn't let go of that mm -hmm. because I was still structured. It took me, BJ, probably five years or longer to realize I'm not in charge anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't have to get up every morning. You know, PT? Nah. You know, the changes that a person has to make, you have to recognize that early upon your getting out of service or retirement. You have to recognize that so that it helps you in your inner circle. My wife would say, you're not in the military anymore. Mm -hmm. My kids would say, Dad, you're not in the military anymore until I started barking orders mm -hmm. and then realizing that nobody's listening. Then I just, Hey, I have no more authority because my own family has recognized that I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. I'm not in the military anymore. And, uh, the different jobs that I had after I retired, it was easier for the transition. Um, for like two years after I retired, I worked for a company out of Fort Leavenworth and it was all retired military people. Mm -hmm. And so that made the transition really, really nice because they were older. I was 38. They were in their 50s or mm -hmm. older. And it made it easier for me to realize that my job is done. Go sit on the front porch. So like-minded 
individuals assisted with that transition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. As we were setting up, you brought up the uh, idea of the challenges today. What would you tell those people that have to hold the line? What is your idea to express to them? This is where we're at. This is where we're probably going to go with how our culture is progressing. And this is what I know, being Tim, what can you relay that would support them further? Probably would have to be honest with themselves. Okay. If you're honest with yourself, then people will see that. (laughs) If I've done wrong and I am pulled over by a law enforcement officer and if he approaches me, how he approaches me, he sets the tone. Mm-hmm. I already committed the crime. I'm already stopped. But how he approaches me and sets the tone will carry on the rest of the conversation. If he comes up to me and identifies himself and asks, you know, that typical question, uh, Mr. Biggs, the reason why I pulled you over was because I observed you were speeding. Yes, sir, you're right. You know, how he proceeds with that will carry on. So I would have to say, wake up in the morning in a positive mood. Thank God every day. When you come home, thank God. Be yourself, be respectful, and you have a great day. You have a great day. Okay. Well, I didn't mean to go this route with what you just said. Where does faith fit in to leadership? Oh, you know, uh, I'm... I wish I could remember some of the things on our NCOERs, as you know, NCOERs, you know, uh, one of them, um, they never put anything in there about uh, your religious and all that. But uh, I, I have one that says he has strong faith in his accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And uh, so having faith and trust in yourself every day, you'll be just fine. Not how I want to say it, mm-hmm. but I think uh, without getting into deeper, deeper, mm-hmm. I think if a person can just be themselves, wake up in the morning, thank God, being protected, protect others, and just walk the line. Don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. Because heroes are people that uh, kids will see forever, but they're just a figmentation of their minds. Mm-hmm. And a real hero is your children looking up to you every day. That's the hero. Last thing. Is there anything else you would like to cover while we're rolling? What do you want me to talk about? It's up to you. The mic is yours. A young young person, you know, enjoy your high school years. Mm -hmm. We both have kids. Enjoy your high school years. Do the best you can. You know, at the end of the day, ask yourself, did I do the best? Could I have done better? What could I change? Um, have respect for your your teachers who are there teaching you. Uh, we have some good, we have some bad. Uh, I would love to to think that we have uh, the best of the best. When you walk across that stage and receive your your graduation diploma, and you move into your next step of life, whether college, military, whatever you do, trade schools, do the best. Ask yourself every day when you come home, did I do the best? What can I change? What can I do better? Okay. Um, and, and like, like I tell my kids, if you got to be at work at eight and you roll in there at 10 till eight, you're late, mm-hmm. you're late, build yourself that rapport. Okay. Uh, because someone out there is going to notice you. 
Someone's out there going to notice that you're at work every day, 30 minutes prior. Why is he at work every day at 30 minutes? Finds out that you're getting stuff ready. Well, I want to emulate him. I want to be like him. Notice I said that word emulate. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite words. And I say that in good, good phrases. Do the best you can. Move on in life. Set goals that you obtained. If you set an easy goal, make it next one harder. Okay. And strive and achieve from that. Um, I know kids, my son himself, would like to retire by the time he's 50. How are you going to do it? Here's how you could do it. Mm -hmm. And stay with that. Uh, be yourself. Be uh, loving. Be caring. Uh, take care of your family. And thank God every day. Hey, I want to thank my guests for their insights on leadership. I also want to thank you, the listeners. Don't forget to follow Firing Pin Leadership on social media, which includes Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Keep in mind, a portion of proceeds goes to ConcernsOfPoliceSurvivors.org. Concerns of Police Survivors provides resources to fallen officers, families, and co-workers to rebuild their shattered lives. COPS offers training and assistance to law enforcement agencies nationwide on how to respond to tragic loss of a member of the law enforcement profession. Take care and God bless.